0: Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We know your life will be changed for the better by listening to God's Word. If you'd like to know more about Trinity Beaumont or contribute to our ministry, please visit www.trinitybeaumont.com. Thank you. Well, you may be seated. What an honor to be able to stand before you and bring the Word. I want to thank Pastor Andrew and Pastor Caitlin for please, for allowing me this privilege today. It's always a good thing to be able to share the Word of the Lord. But before I do, we have, um, some of you may know this, where'd she go? Yesterday, we celebrated the birthday of a matriarch in the house. Amen. Glory to God. And that was 80 years old yesterday, 80 years young. <laughs> Hallelujah. So if you haven't told her happy birthday, be sure and hug her neck and let her know how much you appreciate her and her faithfulness to the house of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. Let me get my cell so set up here. Glory to God. I love the song. Anytime we sing about the name of Jesus. Because he's so wonderful. He is, there's just no words to describe how wonderful he is. So it's always good when we can put our attention back on him. Because he's worthy of our attention, he's worthy of our praise, he's worthy of our glory. Anything that we can give him, he deserves everything that we have. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence in this house today. Father, I pray for every heart that's here, that you would grant us ears to hear spiritually and eyes to see spiritually. Father, that what you want to be said will be said to each heart, whether it comes out of my mouth or not. I yield myself to you, and I ask you to have your way in this house today. I pray, Father, that we will leave different than the way we came in. Because we've had an encounter with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, because we are changed by the Word of God become flesh. And we thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to read something to you. You may recognize this. We'll see how much attention you paid in high school. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom, and it was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief, and it was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope, and it was the winter of despair. Does that sound familiar to anybody? I hear the ones that are closer to my age saying yes. Charles Dickens penned that almost 200 years ago in A Tale of Two Cities. And that was true in that day, but it sounds like it could have been written about today, doesn't it? I think every generation has been able to say that. It was the best of times, and it was the worst of times. And it all depends on your perspective. What are you thinking about? What are you looking at? Today, we are living in stressful times, very potentially dangerous times. You know, I don't watch the news too much anymore. I try to stay abreast of some of the things that are going on, particularly surrounding Israel. But we are living in very potentially dangerous times, especially for those of us that are in the church. Now, I promise this is not a political um, sermon. But it's it's serious times. Amen. We don't have any guarantee that days are going to get better for the church. But we do have some guarantees. We do have some promises. The promises in the Word of God are exceeding great and precious promises. And we can stand on those promises when it looks like everything else is going to hell in a handbasket. We know that the Word of God is going to remain secure. The Word of God has to be our foundation. And we know that Jesus is the Word become flesh. So when we are reading the Word, that's Jesus talking to us right now today. So that's, I mean, I wish I could preach. I'm a teacher, but sometimes it would be nice if I could get the preach come on me. But I honor the Word of God, and I hope you do too, because if our lives are not founded on that, we don't have any foundation. Jesus said that we need to have our lives built on the rock, not on the sand, because sand will just sift away. You know, when you go to the beach and the, the waves come in, you're walking and you, you, you're you You're standing there planted in the sand and then the wave comes up and the sand just washes right out from underneath your feet. And that's the way our life is if we don't found our life, if we don't make the Word of God our foundation. But I wanted to go over some scriptures today that I hope will help secure you, help to anchor you as you go through life every day. And the first one I want to look at is a promise that God has given to us. And I just love this promise in Hebrews thirteen five. It says, Let your character or moral disposition be free from the love of money. That includes greed, avarice, lust, and craving for earthly possessions. Be free from the love of money, but be satisfied with your present circumstances and with what you have. For God himself has said... I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless or forsake you or relax my hold on you or let you down. Assuredly not. Does it sound like God is going to take care of you? I think he wants us to be convinced that he's not going to let us go. You know, that's, that's in the middle of the night. Have you ever noticed when you wake up in the middle of the night, everything comes rushing in, everything that, that you might possibly have to worry about, about the future, about the past, about what you did do, about what you didn't do. It's in the middle of the night that those thoughts come in and try to um, keep us all upset, try to keep us from resting Try to keep us on edge. But this is a real good scripture to throw out there in the middle of the night. When all of those thoughts are trying to assail you and steal your peace, God said, He will not, He will not, He most assuredly will not forsake us. Relax His hold on us. And I like this one. He won't leave us without support. Glory to God. There were a lot of times I looked to God and I said, You said you wouldn't leave me without support. And he has been faithful every step of the way. Things didn't always come exactly when I wanted them to come. But he's always on time. And when it looks like that maybe things aren't working out the way we want, if we will dig ourselves more firmly into him, deeper into him, we can emerge stronger and more secure And we have a testimony because God has come through for us. And he's proved to us in every situation that he will not leave us or relax his hold on us. You know, I really believe that we're living in the last days of the church age. I know they've been saying that forever. But if you look at what's going on, particularly with Israel, we're living in the last days. Jesus said, when Israel came back, when the fig tree reblooms, that this generation shall not pass. Well, that was a long time ago. Pastor says he's older than the nation of Israel, so you can guess how old Israel is, or I guess how old pastor is. He just had a birthday Friday. Hallelujah. So we're living in the last days. Israel is God's time clock. And when we look at all of the nations that are surrounding Israel, it looks like Ezekiel. He said all those nations were going to come surround Israel, and that's exactly what they're doing. Are you hearing it on the national news? No, but there are places you can go if you want. To, if you want just a and not a doom and gloom, but a brief update every week, I would highly recommend that you go to Joe Morris. He's online. Uh, end of days update and he does about a 10 minute clip and talks about the things that are happening in Israel today and how the scriptures are being fulfilled one by one by one to show us that the time is getting close when we're going to be taken out of here and that's a lot to look forward to but in the meantime we have to occupy till he comes. We, he wants us to live victorious lives until he comes. And so that's what we want to do. I think one of the ways we do that is if we look at Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2, we can see how we can live victorious lives. Kind of starting in the middle of verse 1, it says, Let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight, and that sin which so readily and deftly and cleverly clings to us, and entangles us, and let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence the appointed course of the race that is set before us. Andrew was talking this morning about our course. We each have an appointed course. We need to keep our eyes on our appointed course, not somebody else's appointed course. When we get our eyes off of what Jesus has told us to do and over what they're doing, you know you're going to veer off into their lane and you're going to totally miss what God has planned for you. I think that sin that so easily uh, clings to and entangles us is the sin of distraction. You get distracted by what other people are doing and then you're not in your course. You're not in your lane. You're not going to finish your race. But he wants us to finish our race. In verse 2, it says, we are to look away from all that would distract to Jesus. He is the leader and the source of our faith, giving the first incentive for our belief. And he's also its finisher. He's not going to leave you hanging. He's going to finish. He's going to bring to maturity and perfection. He, for the joy of obtaining the prize that was set before him, endured the cross despising and ignoring the shame and he's now seated at the right hand of the throne of God he endured everything he endured for the joy of seeing you say yes to him you are the joy that was set before him you are the reason that he endured the shame you know we we forget he was he was naked up there on the cross not only was he in pain he was humiliated he was beaten we can't even imagine. They say if you saw the passion of the Christ, that was, that was bad enough. That it was much worse than that. But he endured every bit of that for you. I think the most graphic scene or the, th- the scene that spoke the most to me out of that movie was when they had him on the whipping post and he'd fall off. And with everything that was in him, he crawled back on there. And why did he do that? So that you could be healed by the stripes that he bore on that whipping post. You can be healed. That just spoke volumes to me. He was so anxious for you to be well that he endured every one of those lashes. We serve a good God. So we want to keep our eyes firmly focused on him. The problem is today there are probably more distractions than there have ever been Jobs, family, those have always been distractions. But now we have news 24-7. We have social media. I mean, that's, again, 24-7. We can get so distracted with social media that it takes our eyes away from Jesus, even when we're posting about Jesus. Because then we got to see, well, did people like that? Did they comment on that? Did they like what I said or did they not like what I said? Or then we think we got to give our little two cents worth. We get distracted by social media. We need to be focused on Jesus, not on what other people are saying. Another thing that distracts us, what's our favorite prophet of the day saying? Uh Uh-oh. We need to look to Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He's our strength. He's our life. He's the one that we have hope in. Thank God for the chosen and called ministers of God. But Jesus is the source. Hallelujah. You know, in the book of Revelation, Jesus told the church in Ephesus, return to your first love. Freedom Crusades just had a first love conference recently. And I believe Jesus is saying to us, too, sometimes we get so distracted. He's saying, return to your first love. I know you're doing good stuff, but why are you doing the good stuff? Why are you doing the good things? He says, return to me, return to the first love. And I think one of the ways that we can do that today is to choose. You have to make a choice. Your choices have consequences. I wish when I was teaching high school, you know, I kept telling my kids, your choices that you're making today have consequences, but it's like it didn't go through. Your choices have consequences, and we can choose to focus on Jesus or we can choose not to. But I believe it's important That We choose to operate in the fear of the Lord and we've kind of lost the concept of the fear of the Lord. I'm not talking about being afraid of him that he's going to hit you over the head with the baseball bat every time you mess up. That is not the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is such respect. Such reverence for his awesome goodness, his power, his presence, everything good that he is. That fear of the Lord operating so that you don't want to do anything that would hurt him or cause him one moment of displeasure or grief with your life. Just live in a life that's pleasing to God. We have a choice To just take the things that he's done and give them no respect, treat them as a light thing. You know, they said, uh, the Bible says that Esau despised his birthright. Well, we know he wanted to get it back, but what it means is he treated it as if it were nothing. And when we choose not to walk in the fear of the Lord, we're saying the presence of God is just nothing. I'll just sit here and read my Facebook while the preacher's preaching or while worship is going on. That's disrespectful. That's disrespectful. And God, we don't want to be disrespectful to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Oh, he loves you so much. And I just pray that we would get a revelation of that love. But it's time that we return to our first love. I like what Isaiah 33 6 says about the fear of the Lord. And there shall be stability in your times and an abundance of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. I like stability. I want to walk in wisdom. The reverent fear and worship of the Lord is your treasure, and it's his treasure. It's a treasure to him when you walk in the fear of the Lord. It's a treasure to us. Because we can be secure knowing that he's got us in his hand. But I, it just it struck me. It's a treasure to him. And I'm thinking, Lord, why is it a treasure to you if we walk in the fear of the Lord? He doesn't need our worship. He is... Oh, our worship doesn't make him who he is. He is who he is whether we worship him or not. Angels will worship him throughout eternity. We get to worship him too. But whether we do or we don't, God is still God. He is still magnificent. So why is our operating in the fear of the Lord his treasure? And I felt like he said it allows him to be truly our God. It allows him to be your provider when we walk in the fear of the Lord. It allows him to be everything that you could ever possibly have need of. It allows him to be in your life the I am that I am. Glory to God. Because he is the great I am. He wants to be the great I am in your life. But you have to let him. He's not going to force himself. One of the ways you let him do that is by choosing to operate in the fear of the Lord. Psalm 111 says, The reverent fear and worship of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and skill. A good understanding, wisdom, and meaning have all those who do the will of the Lord. And their praise of him endures forever. If we're wise, we're praising him. Glory, glory, glory. You know, and it's the grace of God that leads us to that place. It's the grace of God that gives us the ability to stay free. We can't do it without his grace. But grace does not give us a license to sin. I am a grace, 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 grace preacher. But I am not a sloppy grace. Sloppy agape, greasy grace. Grace does not mean you can do whatever you want to do. I guess you can do whatever you want to do, but there's consequences. And you don't want some of the consequences of doing whatever it is you want to do. You know, unfortunately, the church today has adopted the attitude of the world to some extent. You know, you've heard that saying, do it and then get permission later. Well, the church has adopted the attitude, unfortunately, well, I'll just do what I want to do in 1 John 1, 9 it. Oh. That is not the reason we have 1 John 1, 9 in the Bible. That is such dishonor to the blood of Jesus. Because it's because of the blood of Jesus that we have access to God. It's because of the blood of Jesus that 1 John 1, 9 is even true. He paid the ultimate price so that we could have forgiveness it is so dishonorable of us to just say 1 John 1 9. Now let's and and just in case you don't know what 1 John 1 9 is, we're gonna look at that. And I want you to know, in spite of what some have said recently, I guess not real recently, but 1 John 1 9 is written to the church. Because unbelievers aren't going to be reading it. If we freely admit that we've sinned and confess our sins, notice it didn't say if we freely admit we're sinners, we are no longer sinners. We are righteous, we are redeemed, but we do sin. If we freely admit that we've sinned and we confess our sins, He is faithful and just. He's true to His own nature and promises. Because he said he would. He's going to do it. Because he said he would. And he will forgive our sins. He will dismiss our lawlessness and continuously cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Everything that's not in conformity to his will and purpose, thought, and action. You know what? You, you confess your sin. Don't wait. Do it when you know you did something you shouldn't do immediately. Don't beat yourself up. You immediately run to him and you say, Father, I am so sorry. I should not have done that. It was sin. And I am, I repent. Please cleanse me. See, that's for us. That's for us. Because if you don't do that, it's going to eat on you and eat on you, and eat on you, and before you know it, you're going to be so far away from God because you're afraid to run to Him. But the fear of the Lord means you run to Him when you mess up. Because you recognize that the blood of Jesus has purchased that ability to you, for you, so that you can receive forgiveness and start over again. And I love the fact that He says He continuously cleanses us from all unrighteousness. If we'll confess those things that we know are wrong, He's taking care of the things we don't realize that we do. His grace. That's grace. That's grace. Not saying we don't have to confess it, but the grace is knowing that when you confess it, it's it's gone. As far as the east is from the west, so far he removes our transgressions from us. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. So our goal should be that as we mature we have to apply that scripture less and less often because we honor the supreme sacrifice that all the old testament sacrifices were pointing to the sacrifice of Jesus and may and he has made it available that we can be forgiven so one way that we can operate in the fear of the lord is to honor the blood honor the blood we can't let ourselves get so intellectual and so sophisticated that we think that it's just an old-fashioned thing. It's not necessary. Too many churches have, are leaving the significance of the blood out. And I, I just want to add this, though. Don't get in the habit, pleading the blood of Jesus is not a magic wand. You know, you hear people, I bleed the blood, I plead the blood. There's time for that. But honestly, I don't see anywhere in scripture where they pled the blood. And we get to too often it's just like that's what we say, but there's no thought behind it. And we're tre- one time, you know, I was I had a dream and something was coming at me and I said in the name of Jesus and I felt like the Lord said, "My name is not a magic wand. The blood is not a magic wand." You have to be engaged. We need to honor the blood, not just make it a flippant thing. That's part of operating in the fear of the Lord. I believe that a second way we can walk in the fear of the Lord is to live a thankful and worshipful life. By acknowledging him and our daily dependence on him. One of the, the wonderful things, you know, when, when I closed the church in Lindale, that was hard. That's probably the hardest thing I ever had to do was when the Lord told me to shut down the church. 25 years. And what you would not believe how difficult it is to find a church where the worship is really worship. And where the Word is actually preached and where the Spirit of God is allowed to move. And that's one of the things I appreciate so much about the worship team here. It's true worship. They're not up here just for a show with all the lights flashing and the smoke pots going off and distraction, distraction, distraction. They're here to lead us into worship to lead us into the presence of the Lord, to help remind us how good God is so we can honor the Lord, we can walk in the fear of the Lord by living a thankful and worshipful life. In Psalm 103, I love Psalm 103. I usually read it out of the Amplified and I speak this over myself quite often. But I love the way the Passion Translation reads here. With my whole heart... With my whole life and with my innermost being, I bow in wonder and love before you, holy God. Yahweh, you are my soul's celebration. How could I ever forget the miracles of kindness you've done for me? You kissed my heart with forgiveness in spite of all I've done. You've healed me inside and out from every disease. You've rescued me from hell. You saved my life. You've crowned me with love and mercy, and you satisfy my every desire with good things. You've supercharged my life so that I soar again like a flying eagle in the sky. You're a God who makes things right, giving justice to the defenseless. If you're having a hard time being thankful, just go here. I mean, how can you not begin to just have Thanksgiving rise up and worship coming from your heart? He's so good. And then Isaiah 26 says, You will guard and keep him in perfect and constant peace, whose mind, both its inclination and character, is stayed on you because he commits himself to you and leans on you and hopes confidently in you. So trust in the Lord. Commit yourself to him and lean on him, hope in him forever. For the Lord God is an everlasting rock. That's one of the ways we put our mind on him and and to God that says, you trust me. That's how we worship him. By spending time in his word. Just digesting these two scriptures can cause confusion to begin to flee. So, I want to encourage you, find some some scriptures that speak to you. Maybe it it might be one of those two scriptures. It might be another scripture, but when confusion is, is rushing in, and it will, maybe you're not having any problems right now. Everything may be going just the way you want it to go, but I can guarantee you something's going to come up sometime or the other that's going to bring in confusion. Find a scripture. And spend some time meditating on that scripture. You know when you do that, you're, really, you're spending time with God. We talk about spending time with him. That doesn't mean, I mean, sometimes it's just being quiet in his presence. But when he's talking about spending time with him, that's worshiping him. Whether you're singing, but you also worship him when you meditate the word. Because that's who he is. And that's how you spend time with him is by meditating his word and, and letting him speak to you. And, and you don't have to have a whole chapter. It may just be one verse. And that one verse may speak to you for months. Because you can unpack it and, un, and unlayer it. You know, the, I've heard it said the word is like an onion with all the different layers. At different points in your walk with God, he's going to say different things to you out of the same verse of scripture. So, spending time in his word and digesting his word is a form of worship. Acts 4. See, spending time with him is spending time in his word. Spending time praising him. Singing songs to him. If you're just singing in the spirit, that's, that's worship. Acts 4.12 says, There's salvation in and through no one else. For there's no other name under heaven given among men by and in which we must be saved. We were talking about this this morning on the way to to church. You know, you hear so many people say, Well, I believe Jesus is just one way. They believe that, but they are in such error. They say, Oh, he was a good man. And, And so I'm going to give you an answer for that. If, what, if that's not if Jesus is just a way then he was a liar he was a fraud and he wasn't a good man Amen. because Jesus said i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me right. so he was either who he said he was or he was a total liar and fraud So, if you're bold enough and somebody spouts that nonsense to you, you have a response for them. Glory to God. Verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness, now this is John and Peter had been called before the Jewish council, it might have been the Sanhedrin, and they were grilling them. How did you heal that man? And when they saw the boldness and unfettered eloquence of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and untrained in the schools, they were common men with no educational advantages, they marveled. And they recognized, now, now this is what I wanted to get to. They recognized that they had been with Jesus. Because they were able to give answers that they shouldn't have been able to give. They were able to speak eloquently about the word of God when they shouldn't have been able to because they were not educated men. But they noticed they had been with Jesus. You want to be successful? And I'm talking about at your job or whatever you're doing. Spend time with Jesus and people are going to notice. You'll be able to do things and not know how you knew how to do it. You'll walk in favor and not understand how that favor came to you. But I'll tell you what, it's because you have been with Jesus. And spending time with Jesus, spending time in His Word, that's walking in the fear of the Lord. It's valuable to you. And that time is also valuable to Him. Spending time with Him is an act of worship. And I know there's more than three ways to walk in the fear of the Lord, but I think the, fault, the third way that I wanted to talk about this morning and walking in the fear of the Lord is allowing His love to flow through us. We can't do that, though, if we don't understand how much He loves us. See, He didn't save you because He had to. Because he felt sorry for you. He saved you because he loves you. Yes, we can't effectively love others if we aren't convinced that God loved us first. So there I could have gone through lots of scriptures to talk about his love, but we've I've got four, I think. First John four eight. In the Passion says, The one who doesn't love has yet to know God, for God is love. The light of God's love shined within us when He sent His matchless Son into the world so that we might live through Him. This is love. He loved us long before we loved Him. It was His love, not ours. And He proved it by sending His Son to be the pleasing sacrificial offering to take away our sins. 1 John 3, verse 1 says, See what an incredible quality of love the Father has given. He's bestowed on us that we should be permitted to be named and called and counted as the children of God. If you're born again, if you've said yes to Jesus, received him as your Lord, you're a child of God. And you have an option. You can stay a child or you can grow up. One of the ways we grow up is by learning about his love and how much he loves us. By operating in the fear of the Lord and spending time with him and letting him work in us. I want to grow up. I want to be a grown child of God or a son of God, a daughter of God. We don't want to stay a baby having somebody to have to constantly come and get us out of our messes. He still loves us, even if we're still getting in messes but we want to honor him. And as we learn how much he loves us, it's very easy for us to share that love with other people. But when we don't have it in ourselves, how can we share it with somebody else if we're not convinced? You know, sometimes it's like, well, we know he loves you, but I'm not so sure he loves me. No, he loves you. He loves me in spite of what we know about ourselves. He chooses to love us anyway. John 17 says, <laughs> This is Jesus speaking. I and them, and you and me, in order that they may become one and perfectly united, that the world may know and definitely recognize that you sent me, I love this, and that you have loved them even as you loved me. When I read that and I realized that God loves me just as much as he loves Jesus. Golly, that's awesome news. Just as much as he loves Jesus, the Father loves me. So that means he loves you too. Just as much as he loves Jesus, you are just as important to him as Jesus. Mm. Is that not just wonderful news? Such good news. And this is my favorite. But God. I always like the but gods because that means something good's coming. But God, so rich is He in His mercy because of and in order to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins. But He had such love for us that He sent Jesus. We need to understand that if we're going to operate in love, we have to know that he loves us. When, we, when we're convinced, his love is just going to flow through you and it's going to be natural. You're not even going to have to think about it. But we honor God when we receive his love. It's a dishonor when we say, oh, but you couldn't love me. I, you, you know, I know what I did. Yes, he can love you. The blood of Jesus has taken care of that. It didn't just cover your sin. It washed it away. It's obliterated. Sin is not the issue. The issue is what have you done with Jesus? What have you done with Jesus? You cannot do so much bad stuff that God could never forgive you. What have you done with Jesus? Did you say yes to him? You know, there's so much more we could say about the love of God. We know that we've moved from darkness to light. How? Because we love the brethren. That's one of the ways the world is going to know us by our love. And those are ways that we can walk in the fear of the Lord. By living a life of worship. A life of thanksgiving. Honoring Him and thanking Him. For what he does for us on a daily basis. By honoring the blood that was shed for us. And as we honor the blood we put away our sin. And allow him to work in us. And I think one of the the most important ways to the Lord. That we walk in the fear of the Lord and honor him. Is to receive his love. Because it's pushing toward you. It's pushing towards you. His love. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. He doesn't want anybody to perish. But he's not going to force you. So receive his love. And then you can freely give it away. See, the holiness from your born-again spirit. Because your spirit is holy. You know that, right? Your spirit is righteous. It's, It's our... Thinking, our emotions, it's this nasty flesh that gets in the way. But as we walk in the fear of the Lord, the holiness that's on the inside begins to work its way to the outside. And that's what we want. That's how we honor God, and that's what it is that makes us the salt of the earth and makes people thirsty. That's what salt does. It flavors things and makes it taste better, but it also makes you thirsty. Are we making anybody thirsty for righteousness? Are we making anybody thirsty for Jesus? I pray that we do. We can do that by walking in the fear of the Lord, not just by being religious. You know, Jesus was not religious. The only people that he ever got mad at was religious people. Because religion sets up these rules that you have to follow this rule and that rule and this rule before you can approach God. And that is not the way God wanted it. He wants you to approach from a clean heart. He wants you to approach him because you love him, because you desire him. And it's easy to do when we honor the blood, when we're thankful And begin to worship him because he's worthy. And mostly when we realize how much he loves us and the ultimate price that he paid for each and every one of us. Glory to God. So let's pray. Father, we love you today. And we're so thankful for what you show us in your word. We're so thankful that you promised that you would never leave us or forsake us or relax your hold on us. We're thankful for the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all unrighteousness, that allows us access to the throne room. We're thankful that we can run boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy in time of need. But, Father, most of all, we are thankful for your love. Your unconditional love. We bless you today, Lord. And we give you permission. Whatever you want to do in the remaining time that we have here today, Father, we are open. Holy Spirit, we say, have your way. Have your way. In our hearts. Have your way. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. You know, there's a, I guess a little bit of an advantage since I'm fairly new here. I don't know everybody real well, so I'm going to do an altar call. Because just because you've been coming to church does not mean that you're born again. Just because you claim to be a Christian doesn't mean that you truly are. See, we have to willingly surrender ourselves. I love that, I surrender all. We have to be willing to say, Jesus, I receive what you've done for me. And I want to say, if your heart's pounding, because you know something's not right, today would be a real good day to make sure. If you don't know that you know that you know that you're born again, And you belong to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Today's a good day to settle that issue once and for all. So I'm going to do it a little differently. You know, we usually do every eye closed and every head bowed. But you know, Jesus was on the cross for the whole world to see. So if you don't know that you know that you know that you're born again with every eye open... And everyone looking around. Raise your hand. Because he was willing to, to be nailed to that cross naked for you. Why are we ashamed? Why do we have to have our head bowed
1: to say, I want
0: Jesus? I want my life fixed. If that's anybody, today's the day. You don't, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. I know you've had good teaching here. So since I didn't see any hands raised, I'm going to assume that everybody's received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Now, if you've had a hard time walking it out, and you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, evidenced by speaking in tongues, I would suggest, I would highly suggest That you take advantage of this opportunity. Jesus said, You go and you wait in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. In other words, don't leave until the power falls. And they had to wait several days. But you don't have to wait. The only prerequisite to receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that you be born again. I remember I was raised a little Baptist girl. I received Jesus at a young age, and you know, I wanted to do right. I wanted to love God, but it seemed like I kept messing up. It's like the world had a stronger pull. But when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, man, did my life change. It was like getting born again again. Oh, it was wonderful then when I read The Authority of the Believer by Brother Hagan, that was like getting born again, again, again. But receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit will make all the difference in the world to your walk with God. If you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you need to, you need to, and today's a good day. I'll ask the prayer partners to come down. If you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, and you've not received, talk to one of these people. They'll help pray you through, and it's really easy. But if you have a need and you need a point of agreement, if, if anything that I've said this morning touched a nerve in your heart and you say, you know what, I haven't been walking in the fear of the Lord, and, and I want to make a commitment that from this day forward, that's my goal. And you just need a point of contact. You know, there's something about uh, expressing your decision verbally that cements it. It gives you some accountability. I would encourage you, if anything that I said has touched to or, or sparked something, that, yes, that's what I need to do. I want you to come and you can talk, pray with one of these people that are standing down front. Or if you just have a need and you need a point of agreement. The scripture says if any two agree is touching anything, I'll do it. If it's according to his will and his word. He's not going to give you your neighbor's wife or anything like that. But if it's according to his word, he will give it to you. There's power in agreement. So I just encourage you, if you need prayer, come on down.
1: Oh, we worship you, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah, we worship you, Lord. There's none like you. Hallelujah, Jesus, we worship you, we worship you, Jesus, mighty King, loving God. Oh. Sometimes. Hallelujah, <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, You're wonderful. You're magnificent. Oh, be exalted, Lord. Be exalted, Lord. Oh, we exalt name above every. above all names Jesus, Jesus Jesus, Jesus Jesus, what a beautiful name what a wonderful name holy, 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 holy holy, holy, holy Jesus Jesus, Ariasudia Nisi, Ariaturatin Shishi, and the Mosia, Ariano Si, and the Nama Higher, Exalted, hare, Exalted, Exalted. High and high, be exalted, be exalted, be exalted, higher. You're you're Holy, holy, healing in this house, oh, healing in this house, Uriasi sitare dehi ho.
0: If you've got pain in your body, put your hand on the pain. You know, you can pray for yourself. Many times I've prayed for myself when I've been in pain. And it's, Jesus takes care of it. Put your hand wherever you're hurting. In the name that's above every name, I command every pain to go. Every symptom To drop itself off of these people of God in the name of Jesus. Hearts be whole in Jesus' name. Hearts be whole in Jesus' name.
2: Thank you, Jesus. Oh, you're more than enough, Lord. Jesus, you're all.
1: You're all we need, Jesus. I believe you're my healer. I believe you are all I need. Yes, Jesus. The healer. The healer. And I believe you're I believe more than enough for me. Yes, Jesus. Jesus. Jesus you're all Thank I you, Lord.
0: So today. You see, you don't have to have somebody come and lay hands on you. You can allow him to touch you right where you are.
1: All I need. All I need, All I, I need. find in you, I find in you, oh, we love you, Lord, we love you, Lord.
0: The altar. But if you need to go, you're dismissed. But remember to love God, love people, lead well, and walk in the fear of the Lord.
2: Hallelujah. your love, no place I'd rather be, no place I'd rather be, no place I'd rather be, here in your love, here in